0: Hello, everybody. Um, it's us again from Ugutembeka Construction Cost Consultants. As usual, my name is Kakamba Sidigane, and I am together with my colleague, Johan Filyun. And as you, um, we've already always been doing. We are doing this podcast in collaboration with um, professional CPD. So thank you once again for affording us your time and listening to our podcast. And um, today's podcast is is a, is an interesting one if I may say so. We are dealing with SMME topics and the the, the, the subject that we are looking at or the areas we are looking at it's in tendering financial management during construction, revenue, and cost management. So this one is, is something that I think is a thread that runs through everybody in a, on a project or in a business that does construction projects without even wasting any time. Johan, welcome. And um, we are so glad that you will be taking us through this podcast once again.
1: Yeah, thanks, thanks you, thanks to everybody listening. Uh, yeah, I think this is as you as you already mentioned, this is a interesting topic, and I think it's close to close to the core of Ugutumbeka, um, uh, especially mm. the SMME yeah. assistance, and um, hoping yeah, hoping that that everybody can learn something.
0: For sure, no thanks, and I definitely always feel like no matter how much. One may have gone through these kinds of areas in their work experience, there's always something to learn. So I I know that I may learn one or two things and sharpen my skills as I go about executing projects. And the question will be, how does a company generate profit? The company must get work, obviously, and that's through tenders which must be awarded to the company. The scope of work will also have to be executed in accordance to the specification within time and within budget. It is therefore obvious that the starting point is the tender, and the tender must be priced correctly. Keeping in mind also is that sometimes, even if the tender is priced correctly, you are not guaranteed that the project will be awarded to you, as there will always be more than one company that prices the project under market value in order to get that project and so you try and make a plan during the construction phase to generate additional revenue or you try to reduce your losses and stay afloat this is a big risk and my guess is that more than 90 percent of the smaller companies liquidate if you get one or more of these in one financial year And the industry is enormous, but also very small, and everybody competes for a piece of the pie. If a project is priced too low and the project is awarded to you, there are just a number of things that are likely. And one of them is that... um, you'd you'd need to be able to fund the project from the revenue earned by the project, and you'd need to fund the project from other resources. And these could be from shareholders, from private loans, and and a few other options that um, may be out there. And if it is an option, you may run the risk of not completing the project, you may experience cash shortages, you may run the risk of liquidation, and you may lose good employees they will seek employment elsewhere, and you probably have strikes, riots, and the like, as you will not be able to pay wages. So it's therefore quite important to tender correctly, as this will put you in a much better position to complete the project in time and within your internal budget, if managed correctly. So if the project is completed on time and within budget, you are making a profit, which can be invested in the company, and we suggest that it should be invested in the company, and the company can grow, you may be able to buy plant, get higher CIDB ratings, you may have that opportunity to have cash to use in dry months for example and therefore you just become a more sustainable business as it should be now let's just all remember even if you've priced the tender correctly the project must be managed and you know we say the word managed with an iron fist once the money is lost on production for example it can never be recovered and it is gone forever so, for us at UCCC, we say that we've got a tendering course which will assist an SMME to understand and explain to them number one, how to build up a rate, next, how the standard specifications or changed standard specific specifications are to be read and implemented in pricing a bill of quantities. Another thing that um, we can assist you with is how the various documents interrelate. For example, general conditions of contract, standard specifications, particular conditions, changes to standard specifications. Another area that we can assist you with is with the bill of quantities. We can also assist with various general terminology in the various documents. And we can also assist you with general understanding on how the bill of quantities items are measured and paid for. So let us start with the tendering area. Johan, in your opinion, how and when do you know when a tender is priced correctly?
1: As I always say, the short answer is, and I think this is, this is the same. So the short answer is um if your teams and plant uh that's allowed for in the race the rates must obviously be the correct uh type of labor meaning if it's a general worker is it a semi-skilled person that you require or is the skilled person that you require and obviously how many of those the other thing is also if you look at plant the plant must be priced correctly if you need to have a certain certain uh, production rate you must make sure you've got the correct plant that's priced for that um, it must obviously be priced in accordance with the drawings or the specifications so that's important to have a look at that, and the other thing is, there's, um you need there needs to be sufficient time in the program to execute that uh, required scope of works, um, and the if there's any risks on the project, that must be understood and allowances must be made for it. And obviously, that's a, I think a fine art if you're not if you're not dealing with it on a if you call it on a day to day basis. I mean risks like community ground conditions, uh, certain conditions of contracts, weather, material availability. If it's a uh, um, sometimes pitchman is a problem. I mean, steel in some instances was a problem in the past, <clears throat> and then obviously also specific skills in that area where you're executing the work. Is there is there that specific skills available or not, and The other thing is the the rates should be market related and if i may just again add on and you mentioned it a couple of times uh a bit earlier is that you must i think the people must remember that it's it's not to say that if you price it correctly if all these things are priced as it should as it's or as per the specifications and it relates to the market it's not to say that you will get the, uh, the project awarded to you i mean there's there's lots of other contractors that's also uh, submitting offers and uh, so it's not not to say that if you priced it correctly that you will be uh, uh, awarded the project
0: So now, Johan, with the tender inquiry from an employer, there are obviously different documents which form part of that specific inquiry. One of these will be the conditions of contract. Just explain to us in short what this document is and why is it so important?
1: Yeah, okay, the the conditions of contract um, is the document that includes the terms and conditions of the agreement between the parties, and it will include things like the language uh, and the law uh, the agreement is based on between the parties. Obviously, it will include the claims procedures, Uh, it will include things like handover of the work on completion procedure for that, um, when variations to the scope can be issued or when uh, instructions can be issued what the uh, what the program must include and when when it must be submitted, things like uh, when payments will be made, how new rates are calculated, and so on. And so you can see it's quite an extensive document. Um, the general conditions of contract that we use in South Africa is obviously the Fidic or the JBCC or the NEC and the GCC, but there may obviously also be bespoke contracts, which is a, which is a Uh, Let's call it the in house uh, contract.
0: Now, another document is the particular conditions of contract or contract data or appendix to tender. In short, what is this document and why is it important?
1: It's look, it's normally uh, client or project specific uh, and it must be read with the general conditions of contract, you know, as a whole. And it does this specific document or part of the document uh, includes, it may include additional terms and conditions. It may omit terms and conditions, or it may amend uh, some of the terms and conditions. So it's important to read the the changes or the particulars in conjunction or uh, as a whole with the standard conditions of contract so that you know exactly what's the changes made um, and I think a simple, a simple, simple example will be something like a payment term. The general conditions of contract may specify a 56-day period, but it may then be changed in the particulars as a 28-day payment. So that's in essence what these uh, or the particular conditions uh, entails.
0: Now, also submitted with the tender inquiry is the standard specifications. Just give us examples of what it may be and a short explanation of how these documents are put together, please.
1: Okay, so this the standard specifications <clears throat> is normally a SENS-1200 or KALTO, or there's now the new KALTO uh, standard specification. If you just look at the, uh, let's use the SENS-1200 and the KALTO um as an example, and maybe look into that a bit, a bit wider, into a bit of more detail. But the, the basics of those two documents is the same. But if we look at the Sense twelve hundred, the, they've got different paragraphs, which is numbered one, two, three, four, five, six, up to eight, and the first paragraph uh, is deals with scope. So in this part, the works are described, which is covered in that specific category. And I say category, that will be either things like drains or earthworks, or small dams, things like that. Then the paragraph number two uh, is labeled interpretation. And this part states what other categories or sections of the document must be read with that specific category and it also provides uh, definitions of certain words within that category or section. Then uh, paragraph three deals with materials, and this part indicates what materials uh, shall be used, the classification of material, the selection of materials, and so on. Paragraph four deals with plant, and this part indicates what type of plant shall be used to execute the works. The next paragraph, which is paragraph five, then deals with construction. Now, this part provides information of the work that needs to be executed. And the next paragraph, which is paragraph six, deals with tolerances. And this part provides the allowed tolerances for that specific work. And paragraph seven deals with testing. And this Provides the details of what test that needs to be done um, and how it needs to be executed. So the last part is the this paragraph eight, which deals with measurement and payment. Which obviously I don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't say the others are not important. It's very much important because that will obviously deal with the the quality of work and how the work is executed. But this deals, the measurement and payment deals with, you, with your revenue part of it. If you look at this, it's, uh, this part describes what must be included in your tendered rates, which is very, very important. How the quanti- As soon as you get the job, how the quantities are calculated and what payment items must be included in the uh, bill of quantities. So this is important or very important at tender stage. And it must be studied uh, while so you price the POQ. To give an example of it, if the SME needs to price for medium pressure pipelines, for example, then the go-to SANS 1200 document will be L. And if sub needs to be priced, it will be ME. Or if stormwater drainage needs to be priced, it will be LE. So you can see it deals with the certain types of work in certain uh, either a M or a M-E or a L or a L-E. Each of those are dealt in the same manner. In other words, in paragraph one, deals with the scope. Paragraph two is interpretation. Three is materials and so on. So it's very much the same set out for all the documents of, of the sense uh, specification standard specification. So if we look at Colto, Mm-hmm. It's divided into different work categories and it deals with, uh, firstly, with scope. Interesting enough mm-hmm. to see is that the uh, the scope is numbered with the first two g- digits of the section and then following a chronological numbering system. So, for example, if you deal with section 2100, uh, scope will be numbered as 2101. And in this part, uh, the works are described, which is covered in that specific section. So also scope, and then it deals with it, what needs to be done. So after, after the scope, each section deals with that specific works a bit differently. So in other words, it will have sections which is specific to that section and scope. So for example, if section 2100 is used, It will have subsections such as open drains or banks and dikes or subsoil drainage. Then it will be numbered as, uh, open drains will be numbered as 2102. Banks and dikes will be numbered as 2103. And subsoil drains will be numbered as 2104. And so it will go on. So these subsections will indicate the material. To be used, the plan to be used, and it will describe the construction and tolerances and also the test. So more or less the same, let's call it subjects is dealt with in, in both uh standard uh, specifications. So the other part which the with culture is dealing with is the measurement and payment, and you can you can see that as soon as you start with a measurement and payment section, and let's say you, again, let's let's stick with section 2100, it will be, the, the first item for payment and measurement will be numbered as 21.01. So if you deal with the works itself, it will be 2101. If you start with measurement and payment, it will be 21.01. So that's quite nice to know exactly that there's a difference in that, easy to find your way through the document. So the measurement and payment, again, what what does that section do? It's, uh, it describes what must be included in the tenant race, rates, how um, quantities are calculated and what payment items must be included in the bill of quantity. So that's uh, quite clear in the descriptions of how each one is dealt with. So, and again, it's, this is a very important attendance stage. And it must be studied uh, while pricing the bulk of quantities. So again, example: if SMME needs to price drains, then Section Twenty One Hundred will be applicable. If gabions needs to be priced, then you will go to Section Fifty Two Hundred. Or if you need to do mass earthworks, you will uh, look into Section Thirty
0: Three Hundred. You know. What you've just gone through, Johan, is quite important. And I was very skeptical, not wanting to interrupt you through it, but um, yeah, thank you. You've just really broken it down so well. And it basically is a roadmap that you've just shared with us in, in, in detail as to how we can navigate through the standard specifications. And yeah, quite valuable. Thanks for that. So just moving on now, Obviously, employers they may change these standard specifications as well. And they may add to these specifications or delete some aspect. Could you just explain this to us?
1: Uh, employers may make the changes to the standard specifications and it may, it will, it may, think definitely it will have an effect on, on prices that's built up or priced. Um, so it's possible that a change is made to, for example, again, a free all distance from one kilometer to five kilometers. And if if this is done, then obviously that will that may have a fairly big influence or effect on the on the rate. And that's why these things, if it's changed, um the changes to these standard specifications must be you know, read and understood and implemented by by not just the SMME, but everybody that, that uh, builds up a rate or uh, is doing the, est- uh, the estimating for that specific project. And I mean, sometimes it will also say there's no freehold. Uh, the contractor needs to allow for it. So he, as soon as you start moving thousands and thousands of, of uh, excavated material or unsuitable material, you can imagine this has got a huge impact on the price. And if you get it wrong, that's uh, that may be detrimental. So, yeah, they need. They can change it. They can, they can change, in essence, anything.
0: If it is a remeasurable contract, it will also include a bill of quantities, which is a BOQ. What should an SMME be aware of in relation to the BOQ?
1: I think for me, you know, as an individual, um, as a young person, a BOQ was very overwhelming. And I, and I think for anybody that's not working with it on a let's call it a daily basis it it it's it will it may or it may be intimidating mm-hmm. as such but the, I think the, the more you work with it the more you understand that it, it it's quite easy to work with and to find your way through it so I think but what is important is that in a remeasurable contract the quantities that's in the boq are only an estimate of the works that needs to be executed. And these quantities can either, it can increase, it can decrease, or it can remain the same. And each contract deals with that, uh, or the general conditions of contract deals with it differently or uh, dependent on how the uh, the client changed the particulars to it. But each POQ um, item, is referenced to a specific item, item either in Colto or the Sense 1200. And obviously, that's dependent on which specification is used uh, on the project. So, that's quite easy then also to find your way and say, okay, listen, this specific item is referenced to that uh, Colto or that Sense uh, 1200 uh, payment or measurement and payment item. And it's also been clear what is included in that specific rate. So, um, yeah, so that's that's quite nice and then easy, easy to find a roadmap to the different and various items.
0: Um, what does an SMME need to be careful of or aware of when looking at the drawings?
1: I think we've mentioned it a couple of times before, uh, mm. you know, every, always go back to basics. And some Correct. of the things I think that we mentioned maybe sound like how oh, but it's so obvious. But experience shows that these things happen. So in, in other words, what I want to say, if we just look at the the drawings, it's important that you make sure all the details are on, on uh on the drawing so it can be priced correctly. So if a dimension is missing, ask for the dimension. You also need to make sure where it is. For example, the location where the works needs to be executed. Uh, in other words, when most cases, we're in South Africa, because it, this the location may have an effect on obviously on the price and also the risk, the type of terrain uh, that can be expected. You need to know that. Um, and again, just an example is if the SMME needs to price f- it's for a f- Fence or a drain, you need to know what the profile is, as it is more difficult, obviously, in hilly areas than on in, on level planes. So make sure that mm. you, you know these things. So if it's mm. a plan, is is not always the the only drawing available. There's long sections, all these things. Uh, uh, when you price the price the project, yeah. you need to have a look at these things.
0: And so, in general, what advice will you give to SMMEs when tendering?
1: Tendering. According to me, in any event, it's a, it's a fine art. And unfortunately, if you get it wrong, it costs money and even the possibility exists that uh, it may end the lifespan mm-hmm. of a company or cut it short. So, mm-hmm. if an SMME is not yet a seasoned contractor, mm-hmm. uh, it is, I always say, and it's definitely advisable to get in an individual who knows the business Make sure the productions are right. Make sure the teams are uh, uh, priced correctly. The skills are in and allowed for, and so on. So, mm. uh, yeah, just have that sanity sanity check. It, it will definitely not hurt you.
0: Yeah, I agree with you.
1: If it was easy, then everybody would have done it. Um, and unfortunately, mm. it it may look easy, but it's not that easy. And a second pair of eyes is always it's always good. I mean, even yeah. even. Even me and I mean you, you've got a you've got a a person normally that you go to and say, listen, I've got this problem. Just to feel, yes, just definitely. You no, know, so it's that's very important.
0: I fully agree, and yep, it's very important. So now the SMME, say the SMME, they've priced the works and they've been awarded um, the contractor or the project. Is the hard part over now if you've been awarded this, this tender? <laughs> now,
1: now, now the fun starts. Now the thing starts. So I think that's, Eish. I don't want to say easy part, but that's, that's a certain section that's passed now. And now the thicker things start. I think it's important to, to know and accept and embrace that the, that the hard work starts as the work needs to be. Uh, now need to be executed so in, in accordance with the scope and the grid rates so yeah. now the management gets in, that project needs to be managed and it needs to be managed in such a way obviously that you finish in time on the program and also in your internal budget in other ways mm-hmm. I mean, in other words how it was priced so that you need to stay in that because if you don't stay in that you will lose money
0: Now, just to expand a bit more on what you've just said, in order to manage the execution of the works and to ensure that you remain within the budget, what procedures and processes can be put in place to assist with this?
1: Yeah, I'll mention a few, as there's a lot that can be done to make the management process better and easier. Should someone need additional information or require assistance, then obviously they can contact us. So the first thing is that you need to know how the rates was arrived at, how it was built up. So Mm -hmm. for example, if you're doing trench excavation, you need to know exactly how that excavation was priced. In other words, what's the labor part of it? What's the plant or machine part of it? And Mm -hmm. what's the production per cubic meter or per linear meter? That's been that's been allowed for, and if I say allowed for, that means uh, that rate or estimated cost, excluding any profits or overheads, It's just that money that you have that you allowed for to spend on that specific activity. As you've mentioned as well, our course on tendering it, uh, it will assist in making sure that the detail. Is such that this information can easily be extracted so in that course we provide a bit of tips and also some excel spreadsheets on how mm-hmm. it can be uh, uh, broken down and categorized so that's easy to to get all this information uh, uh, extracted from mm-hmm. that specific sheet so yeah so the budget per Cubic meter or linear meter must be the basis of what resources you put on the ground to execute the work. And also, the production needs to be considered in relation to the program or timeline you have uh, have to complete the trenching. So that's very important. So you also need to make sure that you have a daily diary or foreman's report as such. So this report must be done by the foreman himself. Or supervisor and needs to include things like the category of workers in other words how many general workers how many semi-skilled guys how many skilled guys how many operators do you have and so on Um, also the type of machines that's used is it a tlb is it the excavator is it a 20 ton 30 ton 40 ton excavator do you have tippers do you have ADTs, things like that, that you need to uh, include in that specific report. You also need to record the weather. Is it sunny? What's the degrees uh, uh, Celsius? Uh, Is it rainy? Did it rain? How much did it rain? Things like that. And obviously, then the important thing is that you need to state what work the teams uh, executed for that day. So if it's trenching, then say from this specific manual, this number manual to that specific number manual, 50% through that. So then it's easy to quantify what has been done for that specific day. And if you've got that, then you can calculate the revenue for that uh, day. And you've got all the resources on that report, which uh, you have obviously say you've got so many general workers, you've got so many this, so many that, and you know what you're paying for them and you can work out your cost. Then it's easy to do the comparison, have a look and see if, you, if you're if you making money or losing money um, on your estimated cost in your tender. And um, then dependent on what's what's the answer, then you can start refining, see if you're losing money, why you're losing money? If you're making money, why are you making money? And then, if you're making money, you can start seeing. Okay, you can fine tune this to try and uh, increase your 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 profit a bit, or if you're losing money, to mitigate the uh, losses. So you'll get a very good idea of where where you're going if you deal with it in 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 that uh, manner. It's also important to have, a if you're working with plant or machines, uh, let's say an excavator, so it's important to have a report uh, that records on a daily basis the hours that the machine has worked. In other words, it's running hours. Record the breakdown hours. Record, if it was a breakdown, what was the breakdown? Was it just a puncture or was it a mechanical fault? If it was a Mm. mechanical fault, what was that specific fault? Because then you will also start to know that specific machine gives you that problem on a weekly or monthly basis. And certain decisions can be made either to replace it or get another one in or whatever the case may be. Uh, So also, and then you can record the idle hours. In other words, the hours that it's not working or it's not on breakdown. So in short, that's the hours that the plant hasn't got any work to do. So um, you will start managing your cost or you can manage your cost according to that as well. Do you still need that specific uh, piece of plant? Can you release it from site? Can you put it off higher or whatever the case may be on that? So, and also the consumption, um, you need to record the liters of fuel that the, uh, was put into the machine and you can work out the consumption uh, and, you can also manage theft according to that. If there's a big spike in your consumption, you know there's something wrong. Uh, either machine or maybe there's, there's there's fuel disappearing. So you can manage that process as well on that simple, simple report. So if any item of work is, for example, uh, if it's plastered to a wall, the tender rate breakdown will show exactly the price per bag of cement because that's the detail that you've priced it in the price for a cubic meter of ton of sand the water ratio the mix ratio etc so you will, so you will know exactly what it is uh, then when you purchase these materials you can compare these rates with your quotes and make sure you stay within budget for the procurement of the materials and we can also assist with setting this up for a you know for a project or a contractor the system helps to manage the procurement process and the SME you will know they will make money or lose money on the purchase of material as well and not just the execution of that specific activity. So another one is if you look at a, a load and all operation that you're executing, it's important to have a tally sheet. The sheet normally you know, records the times in uh, and the times out of a specific truck. So this enables you to assess the loading times, the all times, the uh, volumes of each truck and uh, what the driver is doing. So you can also monitor and fine tune uh, that specific uh, process. So when a project starts, cost will start to flow um, as you need to purchase the materials. So set up a you know, set up a cost sheet, which uh, according to my experience, as a minimum indicates the description, the unit, mm-hmm. the order quantity, the actual purchase rate, the and then the allowable rate. In other words your estimated cost rate the actual amount the allowable amount for the purchased quantity and the remaining quantity in other words the total estimated quantity required for the whole project and what has been ordered so you can manage your waste in that category as well so this sheet will give you a very good idea of how you are you know how you are performing on the materials in relation to your tender and it's very easy to set up sheets to manage manage these types of processes.
0: So, Johan, these procedures and processes that we are going through, obviously, they are for managing the day-to-day costs and revenues and enable people to make quick decisions. The question now is, are there some sort of reports that can be put in place to get an overview of the health of the project for the month and to date? You know, I would think that something like this can be very useful to the owner and shareholders of a company.
1: I think uh, information, what what do they say? Information is power. I mean, everything, there's a lot of happening on construction sites, so there's a lot of information that needs to be captured, processed, and so on. So in the previous question, there was just a a couple of things that can be done, and obviously this can be consolidated into a a, a much more high-level type of report. But yeah we can I mean as you know we as UCCC can put systems and reports in place in a company and it's definitely not dependent on the size of the company i think the earlier you start with uh, systems like this it, the easier it is uh, when the company company grows and you can just build on the on the on the, on the building blocks that grows with a company if i can call it that but yeah, for me, it's you know it's good to to generate or provide monthly financial reports that summarizes the financial status of the project, but also with you know sufficient information to establish where money was made or where money was lost. If we do consultations, to the company normally it's just say it's it's always good to make money. Always, always. I don't think there's anybody in any business that will disagree with that. Most
0: definitely. Um,
1: but sometimes, sometimes on projects, people are so focused on, uh, you know, if there's a loss and which it needs to be done, if there's a loss to mitigate it and manage that specific loss and exactly establish where that loss is made. But it's also important to know if you make money, where you make that money. Um, and that information can can be used in the future for uh, you know make you potentially you can re- reduce um I don't know say uh, increase productions for example reduce the rate in other words and become more competitive in the market or you can you can stick with it and if you get the project then you know there's' there's, there's money to be made uh, on that specific activity however um you need to know exactly why and where, you lose money or make money, so it's, it's it's always good to have a cost code system where you put the various costs and projects into specific codes, and the same principle for your budget or your so-called allowables, uh, mm. because then you can do that those comparisons, uh, and it's dependent on 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 the project and the company uh, where they at in I want to say in their growth phase. It's easier to do it in, 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 a, in a coding system so that you can do those specific comparisons that you need to do and get some mm. information out of it to, to uh, make the management on the ground much more uh, easier and more effective, if I can say. So if a, if a system like, like this is used, it's easy to compare your labor to see how is your lo- uh, labor overall looking. The same for plant, mm. same for different types of materials. So um, dependent on the requirement and the type of the project, as I said, it can be done even with a full comparison with trench excavation uh, only or with mass earthworks or whatever is decided to be done. But there needs to be a system in place. So the the report that we're talking uh, about will compare your cost versus allowable. So your allowable is the, is the tender estimate uh, of the uh, your yeah, tender estimated cost as such uh, that com- gets compared with your uh, with your actual cost. And also then the total revenue and profit or loss for that specific month and also the two date or, or the lifespan of the project. So I, I cannot see how our know, project can be managed without something like this. Um, and mm. I think it's important that Islamic should know that you do do not need fancy software to manage projects sufficiently. I mean, uh, thing yeah. like Excel can work if you know how to work Excel. It can work just as good uh, uh, for your uh, smaller companies. I mean, if you if you grow and you become a, a nine CES, um, there's some companies that still manage it, but that system grow uh, you know grew with them. Um, but as you grow, it's possible that you will need some, some, some other type of software to uh, assist you with managing the project when your financials mm-hmm. so on. But I mean, if it's, if it's smaller projects, easy, easy uh, that you can do it with, with Excel. So it just must, it must just, I think the need needs to be established or what's required. And um, if you advise the SMME correctly, uh, it's easy to to get these systems and financial reports uh, integrated mm. into into the company and into the project.
0: Now, if the correct systems are put in place, then costs can be managed quite sufficiently. How is revenue managed, or how should it be managed? And I know this is a quite of a big question that I'm asking, and I but I also believe that the breakdown of this big question can help. SMM is to actually be able to differentiate and, and more importantly, to understand and and to know how to manage revenue.
1: Obviously, revenue is one part, cost is another part. So we we explained how we see cost or how cost can be managed on sites with different reports and so on. So the revenue part, walk with your eyes open, always. If, you, if you're on site, walk with your eyes open. So let's, let's, let's break it down and look at simple, back to basics again, simple things. And because I think if you, if you understand the basic and simple things, the things that looks more, more difficult will then also be seen as parts or a section that you can break down in smaller details that can be, uh, more or easier. Chewed in smaller portions, if I if I <laughs> if I can say it in that way. So yeah. first thing is make sure you get paid for everything that you do. If you do not get paid for everything that you do, then there's a problem somewhere, and it needs to be investigated. It is possible mm-hmm. that uh, you are maybe doing something that is not part of your scope, or there is uh, not a payment item for it in the BOQ or it is deemed included somewhere which was not priced at tender stage, in other words, priced incorrectly, or it's possible that you're just doing something that in, in a manner that's not the most effective way to do it. Uh, maybe there's a cheaper and faster way to do it, for example. But whatever the reason, It must be investigated and and dealt with. So if you work on site, always look at your operations and ask the question, where am I getting paid for that specific operation? That employee that's doing that specific thing, where and how am I getting paid for it? Where am I getting paid for the employee removing material from the trench? Where am I getting paid for that? Uh, if a TLB is moving from point A to point B ask the question where am I getting paid for that TLB that's moving there is is it is he required to move must he move is it not possible to do it in a different way or cheaper faster way make sure that everything that moves or standing you ask that question so it's a never it's a never-ending process always always do that So if I take a simple example, if you do trench excavation and you have priced X production per hour and your actual production is what's recorded by your foreman in your your foreman's report, that production is X minus 10 per hour. Then the question must be asked why? Am I using the correct machine or is the material intermediate and not soft as, as it was priced or envisaged? So, Again, it's a a never-ending process. You need to keep on every day, not once, but a lot of times ask that question. Walk with your eyes open, have a look, assess the operation. Uh, Some companies do employ quantity surveyors to deal with the measurement of works, but it's not always possible, obviously, for for various reasons. But what is important is that the person doing the measurement for the certificate or the application for payment at the end of the month. That person needs to be sure of what is written into the SANS 1200 or the colto, um, whatever standard specifications or amended specifications are, uh, are used. Those measurement and payment items must be read, understood, and applied um, because that... Will make sure that you will get paid for contractually. I'm saying contractually, whatever you do, you will get paid for. Um, it's a different story if the if the if the activity was priced in an incorrect manner. Um, so let me let me just do use some examples again, uh, simple examples. So if we look at Sense twelve hundred. Uh, LD the sewers, and I'm just gonna I'm just gonna read it out. So, um, in paragraph eight point two point one, the payment item is supply laid joint bed and test pipeline. So the unit is linear meters, and it reads as follows: the pipeline will be measured linearly on slopes overall as laid. So if you just look at that specific section you cannot go and measure you can but it will not be correct measure you need to measure the pipes or the pipeline um, as it's laid against slopes so if you measure it off a plan you will not get the correct quantity because it's flat it doesn't take the the decline or incline into consideration that specific measurement so simple thing again but that happens uh then second sentence no deductions will be made for specials but deductions will be made for the internal length of manuals so again because that specific part is installed in the manual up to the uh, in normal circumstances up to the uh, face of the internal side of the manual so that's why you deduct that specific internal uh, dimension of the of the man uh, of the manel. but let's for instance say the the detailed drawing shows that the pipe needs to come into the manual for let's say half a meter. Let's assume it's a it's a big manual say half a meter for whatever reason. So if you didn't price for that, you will not <clears throat> get paid for it because the payment item is specific on how it's getting measured. So you need to allow for that in your in your rate. Uh, separate items will be uh, scheduled for pipes of different materials, diameters and where relevant classes and for different classes of bedding and types of joints. So make sure that the specification which describes the spec of the pipe is the same that was originally included for in the tender requirements and so on make sure you've got the correct payment items uh for the spec uh, spec pipe if not then um, you need to apply for for a new rate uh, on that um it then goes on and say says that the rate shall cover the cost of providing the pipes and the cost of laying bedding jointing making connections into manuals and testing the pipeline, so the testing must also be included. So all of that must form part must form part of your specific rate. So it's important to know exactly what you need to include that tender stage for that specific item. Um, and again, it needs to be read in conjunction with your with your uh, amended specifications or change specifications for that project. Another simple example: if we look at Calto Section uh, Twenty One Hundred. The first one is, I'm just going to read it again. It's excavation for open drains. So first first part says excavation soft material, uh, excavating soft material situated within the following depth ranges below the surface level. Then it splits the payment items into categories from a 0 to 1.5 meters and then exceeding 1.5 and up to 3 meters. And then another item for increments of one and a half meters and then an extra over for hard material. So then it then it goes on. It says the unit of measurement shall be the cubic meter of material excavated in accordance with the authorized dimensions measured in place before excavation. So it's not the material that, that you haul away or the volume of material that you haul away. It's the material that you've excavated. I mean, simple example again is if you've got a meter uh, 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 an excavation of a meter by a meter by a meter deep, it's one cubic meters. If you excavate it, you will get something like one point, dependent on the material, 1.2 or 1.3 cubic meters because it's not compacted, but you will only get paid for that specific one cubic meter as it was in place before excavation. So it goes further and says that excavation for open drains only as defined in subclause 20.0, but 21.02b shall be measured. Now, 21.02b has got a description of what's seen as open drains. So it says that open drain excavation shall include all excavation required for construction, or constructing a channel with a bottom width of less than 4 meters, or V-shaped channel with side slopes steeper than 1.4, and total width at the top of less than 5 meters. So it's very clear of what is seen or what is defined as a uh, or an open drain. So if it's, if it's not within that, then it's not an open drain. Then it's something else. Then you need to go and see what that specific, um, uh, or under what, category that specific excavation falls. So it's important to, to read each and every pay item in detail and exactly see what it is, uh, what is required. Now it's measured. Um, then the it, payment item it goes on and say, irrespective of the, of the topo, total depth of the excavation, the quantity of material in each depth range shall be measured and paid for separately. So that's clear. Uh, on the specific depth ranges and then it says the tender rates shall include full compensation for the excavation of the material to the required lines levels and grades and the disposal of the material as directed including a free haul of one kilometer so again contractor needs to allow for uh, or in his rate for a free haul distance of one kilometer so if you Dispose that excavated material within one kilometer. It's included in the rate. You will only get paid for the walling if it goes over a kilometer. Uh, For payment purposes, a distinction shall be made between soft and hard material as defined in clause 2105. And 2105 provides a, a... method of how um, hard material is, is or how it's established, if it's hard material or not. And if I can just read it, it says, also excavation for open drains and subsoil drain systems shall be classified as follows for payment purposes. Hard material, material which cannot be excavated except by drilling and blasting or with the use of pneumatic tools or mechanical breakers and boulders exceeding 0.1 cubic meters shall be classified as hard material. So it is important to know exactly what those specific payment items states and how it is dealt with in your measurement. And you do um, if if there's a systematic way how it is measured and worked with in your payment certificate, there is a couple of rand which you will uh gather if you just do it a quick you know quick thing is this is the excavation and this is that and you cannot just i want to say slot it in into one bill item each and every part of the works needs to be dealt with in this way in detail yes it's a lot of work but you i can i i i, I want to go as far and say you will definitely be Uh, better off if you do it in this way and if it's priced correctly. So there's, there's method. There's definitely method to the madness queue. (laughs) Yeah. I think that's the short of it. eh? (laughs)
0: Yeah, no, this is, this is amazing. And I think just to reiterate what you've just said as well, that this may seem like a lot of work, but it will save a company so much. I think rents and also time because there's no back and forth trying to figure out within the project team where did we lose the money and all of this because you're following things, follow using a method of some sort. A lot has been said, Johan, and there's a lot that can be taken from this, obviously. But what I see as very important is that it doesn't matter the size of a company. What is vital is that the sooner a company starts to get basic systems in place, the better it will be. And the reason why I'm saying this is that if the basics are put into place at an early stage in the life of a company, it becomes part of the culture of that company. And as the co- company grows, it as with sustainability, don't you think?
1: Yeah, you, you're 100%, 100% correct. I do I do not think that enough emphasis can be put on the implementation of systems, procedures, and processes. So mm. Um, mm. No, not that you want to create a tough corporate environment, but only you know, to protect profit. And these types oh. of systems are systems that have been proven to work in the industry.
0: I think this topic I feel like needs an extension or some follow-up later on of another podcast because these are just very, very important aspects that you've touched on and that you've gone into so much detail. Again, I also think that it would be quite good and very much beneficial for any smme and like i said it possibly isn't only for smmes the information that you've just taken us through just going back to basics everyone it would be nice if if most people can have access to this podcast and just listen and of course do contact us because we can walk that journey along with you and we can support a company or support an smme to put those systems in place we don't want to be with you for forever no but we'd like to support and assist you set something up that can be tools that a particular organization can use for the for the Life of its of its existence, and I mean, at the end of the day, as um we've already said, these will assist with growth and sustainability, and that sustainability means that we're not necessarily indicating that as you triple C, want you to have us with you for a long time, even though we would like to, but we certainly believe that once you've set systems in place, your business would be able to function fully on its on its own apart from externals and obviously with the support and and the efforts of the project team members themselves. And so with that being said, Johan, thank you so much. Um, much appreciated. We've come to the end of our podcast um, episode for today. So please do catch us. You may find our podcasts And if you don't find our podcasts on Spotify or Apple, you may just move over to our website, which is www.uccc.co.za. That's www.uccc.co.za. You may also just reach out to us via email, which is info at uccc.co.za. Thank you very much for the time taken to go through this information and this podcast and we are excited about what we're doing and what can be achieved through these um, these discussions that we keep having and i'd also like to extend our thanks to professional cpd for helping us deliver such important information and and to support the boat environment in terms of implementing projects successfully